1: I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to the latest episode of Late Boomers. Our guest today is Michelle DiFilippo, the author of Publish Like the Prose, a brief guide to quality self-publishing and an insider's look at a misunderstood industry and head of 1106 Design, which provides traditional publisher quality for independent authors with end-to-end services from manuscript to market.
2: And I'm Mary Elkins. Her mission is to educate authors on a better way to self-publish. And with the 1106 design, the author maintains control of their book, schedule, and payments. Plus, she's a grandmother, and these are her words, she plays a dreadful acoustic bulk guitar. Welcome <laughs> to Lake Boomer's
0: Michelle. Thank you so much, ladies. It's such a pleasure to be here with both of you.
1: Thanks. Tell us about your background and how you arrived at this point in your life and what were your influences?
0: Well, gosh, I I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and my first Mm. job in publishing was in 1972 at Crown Publishers in New York, um, and, uh, that lasted for a couple of years. And then my husband and I at the time got the bright idea to move to Phoenix, Arizona. I had every <laughs> expect, <laughs> I had every expectation of, uh, being able to find a job in Phoenix as, as I did in as easily as I did in New York, but that didn't turn out to be the case. Mm-hmm. I bumped around for about four years, making no more than minimum wage. And then uh-huh. I decided, okay, this isn't going to work. We have to try something else. So back in those days, when you wanted to put a book or any kind of a, a printed piece together, you had to buy typesetting from a separate company and then bring it home and cut it up and paste it up into the format that you wanted. <laughs> Mary's nodding. She understands. <laughs> uh, it's it's, it's <laughs> almost unbelievable now, isn't it? Uh, but, and so I was doing that as a, on a freelance basis and on a staff basis. So one day I was sitting at my typesetter's office waiting for my job. And I, and I was making about $8 an hour at the time. Ooh. And I asked her, I said, how much do you charge an hour? And she said, $50 an hour. And she was sitting in front of a machine that was the size of a refrigerator. and but, but that set off a light bulb in my head. And I went home and I told my husband, we have to talk about this. <laughs> we have to uh-huh. look into this and see what's involved. And it turned out that it was relatively easy to lease a great big Computer typesetting machine and rent an office, and so that's what we did. And I started my first business, uh, my own first business, called Protype in 1980. And that lasted you are for quite
1: the entrepreneur. <laughs> it was Bravo.
2: a matter of ne-
0: it, it was a matter of necessity. Nobody in my family had ever been in business. It, it was the furthest thing from my mind, I can tell you. Uh, <laughs> but you know, minimum wage wasn't going to make it either, so it was. Mm-hmm. Just what have I got to lose? It was it was right. the calculation, right? So I guess you wow. could say that that was my first, and um, ent- that was my first entry into business. And that business lasted for thirteen years, and still until Steve Jobs put me out of business by inventing the Macintosh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> computers, and, and everybody yeah, can well, process you know, their own. It's kind of funny. I was sitting in my office waiting for the delivery of my typesetting machine and I was flipping through a magazine and I saw this ad for something called a Macintosh and I thought, <laughs> well, that's really weird and it had a mouse next to it which back then nobody had ever heard of a mouse. And I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and said, "Oh, oh well, no problem." But it took him 13 years but Steve Jobs finally destroyed every typesetting business in the world and one of them was mine. <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah. Well,
0: so that's, tough. and then after and that then,
2: business,
0: after that, I went back to typesetting. And around 2001, I formed 1106 Design. And at that time, indie publishing was beginning to take off. So I thought, Uh well, okay, I've been a typesetter. I've worked at a publishing company. Let's see what happens if I just start to focus on books. And that is how 1106 Design got started in 2001, and we've been going strong ever since.
2: Well, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Um, Mm -hmm. Talk a little about the world of publishing now, what you've learned since being a typesetter, basically, and what you've learned about the world of publishing, and why self-publishing why an author should self-publish, and why working with 1106 Design makes sense for an author.
0: Okay. Well, self-publishing is the greatest thing for authors that's ever been invented, right? They're, they can you know, realize their own vision for their book. They can do what they want. They don't have any gatekeepers getting in the way. First of all, it's, it's really difficult to get uh, recognized or bought by a traditional publisher, almost impossible. Right, so yeah, you have, authors, to have an
2: agent, and they don't even talk to you if you don't have an agent, right?
0: Correct, and and they can only take a certain number of books, and they're very strict about what they take, and they and they also take control of the book. So mm-hmm. for forever, traditional publishing was the only way to go, and authors really didn't have a choice; it was the only way to get distribution for their books to the public. Amazon changed all that. All of a sudden, anybody could distribute their book to the whole world through Amazon and through other channels, um, and and so that's when true indie publishing was born. The author, the idea when when it first started was that the author would be the publisher, and the author would hire the experts to produce the book, and the author would keep all of the revenue from sales from that book. And then, and then it's the business started to get complicated. These entities called self-publishing companies started to come into the picture. And they operated just like publishers, except they charge the author to produce the book. And they also take revenue out of the author's pocket on the back end, even though they don't have any rev- any investment whatsoever in the book. So what, what 1106 Design does, and, and we're not the only ones, is we help the author produce a great book, traditional publisher quality, And we help them publish in their own name on the platforms that are available to everyone to do it. You don't need a middleman publisher. And then the author, as originally intended, gets all of the revenue from book sales when when a book is sold. Uh
2: And you don't? 1106 doesn't get the revenues?
0: No. We charge for our services, but we do not take a penny of revenue from the author's sales. But. But the mindset, of course, when people have written a book and they go looking for information, the mindset is "Let me find a publisher," and uh-huh. they don't realize or may not have caught up with the news that that a publisher really is no longer necessary
2: uh-huh. because of Amazon or because, because of Amazon. Of-
0: yeah, yeah. There's two platforms: there's Amazon and Ingram Spark, and both of them allow anyone to open an account and distribute a book in their own name. Uh-huh. And when When a book is sold, it's printed, print on demand, and the money is deposited directly into the author's bank account. You Mm -hmm. don't need any middleman publisher to do anything for you.
2: Oh, great. Uh,
1: And um, what would you, what are the three? I've
2: got a question first, if you don't mind, on on this note, I hope you don't mind. Because um, I do know that um, a lot of the, um, like Amazon, a lot of the booksellers, the actual brick and mortar stores... Out mm-hmm. there will not take a, an Amazon published book.
0: That's correct, and that's where the other platform comes in. Ingram Spark is owned mm-hmm. by Ingram, which has been in business for about 100 years, maybe more. They're the largest book wholesaler and distributor in the United States. Uh, so, do they? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So uh, we recommend they, that we recommend that authors use both platforms, and we help them do that. Ah, uh, interesting. Good. Okay. And what are the
1: three book publishing models
0: then? Okay. So the the model we're almost familiar with, especially if we're of a certain age, is the traditional publishing model, right?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Where, as I said before, the publisher buys the rights to publish the book, pays for all the expenses to produce the book, and then the author gets a small royalty when a book is sold. Now that's a fair business model, right? Because the publisher is entitled to Recoup money from their investment, and the mm-hmm. author doesn't have to pay anything. And the author basically is getting paid just for their effort that they put in to write the book. So that's perfectly legitimate business model. Indie publishing, the way we do it, means the author is the publisher. the pu- The author will pay us for our services, but then we don't take any money on the back end. The author gets all of the revenue from sales. Now, where the problem comes in is in the middle ground with all of these intermediate publishers that have popped up in the intervening years. They started out calling themselves self-publishing companies, then those got a bad reputation so they rebranded themselves as hybrid publishing companies. And now some of them just call themselves publishers. They've dropped the adjectives altogether. But the key ah. point is, the key point is is that they charge the author to produce the book and they take money on the back end from sales. So, oh. you know, the the author doesn't really come out very good in in, in that calculation. And sometimes mm. the author loses control of the book too. A number of these companies have just vanished overnight and disappeared with the author's files so that they have nothing. They have to start oh. from scratch. So that's why oh. I'm doing, that's why I'm go putting myself out on these podcasts to let people know that there is still the original choice for indie publishing and uh, you know there is a way for you to do it and have a great book, and get the mm-hmm. maximum revenue from book sales yourself.
1: Oh, good that's
0: good
2: information. Thank you. And you said that there are 17 key questions an indie author needs to ask before going forward with a publisher.
0: Can you give us a few? 17. Well, okay. So the lack of transparency in the industry is what's troubling the most right because mm-hmm. authors may not think to ask how 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 does the math work if i bring my book to you right now the economics of of the book publishing industry are also not very well known people don't know for example that when amazon or any other retailer sells a book the author doesn't get the cover price right so right. let's say a book sells for $20 the retailer will take anywhere from 40 to 55% of that for itself. And then through print on demand, the author has to pay for the printing. So on a $20 book at a 40% wholesale discount, the author might make $8, right? Mm. At a 55% wholesale discount, the author would make $7 in round round numbers, right? Mm -hmm. If you introduce a publisher into that equation, that's going to reduce that 7 or $8 even less. We've heard some stories where authors are being paid $0.90. Cents yeah. And the publisher mm-hmm. is taking the ba- taking the rest. So in some cases, oh these, pu- these publishers are making more money than the author, even though they charge the author to produce the book. So it's just crazy. Wow.
2: And 1106 doesn't do that. 1106 Design. 1106 Design no. doesn't do that. No, no. Oh, yeah. we, we, and
1: what's another question they would ask? Yeah. Uh, the
0: well, they should, al- one. they should also ask who owns the files. When a, uh-huh. some, sometime, sometimes publishers will not turn over the files that they created for the book, even though they, the author paid them to do the work. They will say that they own the files. And if you don't want to work with them anymore, you have to start over someplace else so that that's mm. a good question now there's a lot of so the publishers will dance around this a little bit and they'll say we'll, we'll yes we'll turn over a PDF for you when the job is done, but a pdf can't be edited can't right. be changed it's a it's a oh. static document, and that's the beauty of it it can't be changed it's not the application files that were used to create that PDF in the first place you need to get oh. the a- you need to get the application files from the publisher. And if they won't do that, you should find that out early on rather than later on if you want to part ways This is with
1: way them. complicated, huh?
0: I'm sorry. Well, how, many,
1: <laughs> how many titles has 1106 Design published? We've done... Have,
0: a, yeah. Yeah, tell about me. Four, about 4,000 books. Whoa. And counting. Good for you.
1: That's a lot. Yeah. And have your authors' books won awards or been on any bestseller list? And does well, it matter that, to be on a bestseller list?
0: That's another issue that that's cropped up in, in the intervening years. It's very difficult for, to be on the bestseller list. That takes tens and tens of thousands of sales, and that's not likely to happen with a self-published book. I'll say that straight right up front. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean there aren't companies in the space that are telling people and promising people that they will be bestsellers.
2: That's also, right.
0: less, that's also less than true. What they're no. doing, what they're doing is they have a method where they tweak, uh, they'll, they'll choose keywords that allow the author to become a bestseller in some obscure category on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And so Amazon's computer gets tricked for a moment and it puts up a bestseller badge on that author's page for about 45 minutes. Then the computer corrects <laughs> itself, but everybody's watching for that badge to go up and they take screenshots and then everybody says, see, my book is a bestseller, Uh but it's not a bestseller. It's fake. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of of
2: authors will will buy their own books back to be on, on the Amazon bestseller list. I think what a hundred books or 50 books or something.
0: Yeah. That's a technique too. If you get everybody on your list to buy books in in a, you know, a half an hour period, then Amazon Mm. thinks it's a bestseller. And and flags it accordingly.
1: But wouldn't but, that help you long term? Wouldn't that help you to have that title?
0: I I would say in in the beginning I think it might have, but now that everybody is a be- is claiming to be a bestseller and it's not really true, I I think it it's having the opposite effect. It's uh-huh. it's telling people I'm I'm not being one hundred percent honest with you. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. yeah. a real bestseller is calculated by the Nielsen company and it's published in the new in the New York times or in the uh, uh, USA today. That's it. Um, If you're not there, you're not really a bestseller. Yeah, Mm
2: -hmm. I know. And and really it's tens of thousands of books.
0: Yeah. 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 And, but the thing is, you know, who wants to be a bestseller for 45 minutes? Do you really want that? Or would you rather have steady, Sales over time that you can count on and that helps people. Why did you? Why did Why did you go into this in the first place? Did, mm-hmm. to, yeah, exactly. Agreed. But also, yeah. it's Agreed. always
2: nice to have the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, if you can do it honestly, more power to you. I think that's absolutely. great. But, absolutely,
2: absolutely. Yeah.
0: But it's usually
2: the very famous authors, isn't it, that get on the bestseller list or famous oh, people.
0: Yeah. Yes, and it's very hard even for them to do that. Yeah. 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 Well, what are the essential
2: services authors need?
0: Well, uh, typically, authors will come to us. We we have the all we need is the author's manuscript, and our next usual steps are editing, cover design, interior design, interior layout, ebook formatting, and then setup of the distribution channels for them. Mm. Uh, and
2: and do the authors have total say over it too or is this advice that you give them and you, or you provide them say with cover design you show them different cover designs or do they come to you with a design
0: well it's a collaboration from start to finish we we show cover designs and then we get the authors feedback and we work back and forth until we arrive at a cover that everybody's happy with you
2: know mm-hmm. sometimes
0: the author will ask us to do something that really isn't a good idea We will speak up in that instance and say, you know, really what you're asking for. I know you think it's a good idea, but you're not a designer and we don't recommend that you do that. And So we give them the best of our advice and the best of our design and and then hopefully we wind up with a good cover.
2: Well, what about distribution and marketing?
0: Okay. Distribution is just as simple as, as what I described. We set the author up in their own accounts at KDP and Ingram Spark. And after that, it's all on mm-hmm. autopilot. This, you, nobody has to do anything when a book is sold. Uh, it's, it's just registered by the system and the, the author will get a check to their bank account uh, once a month, usually starting in about 60 to 90 days. Oh, that's nice. What about international distribution? That is what where Ingram comes in. That's the reason uh, we use both both platforms. Amazon uh, is international as well, but Ingram is better for bookstore distribution, libraries, other distributors, um, the international market. Uh, mm-hmm. like, like, as you said at the beginning, bookstores don't want to buy from Amazon, uh, understandably. Well, so they the buy most- from Ingram.
2: Ah, I see. Really fascinating. Yeah. Great advice. Thank you. What a- as far as marketing goes, what are the most important things that an author needs to know about marketing their book today?
0: Well, I think the, the very foundation of marketing is, is a well-prepared book, well-edited, well-designed, beautifully types at traditional publisher co- quality, and that's what we do. Because marketing can, can draw people to your book, but the minute they see it, they're going to form an instant first impression. And you don't want your book to look self-published. So, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. but what, about, what
2: about like social media?
0: Social media is good. I have three marketing people that I recommend to my, to every one of my clients. They can interview each one of them mm-hmm. and decide who's a good fit and what programs. They, they each have different programs at all price points. So mm-hmm. the author can usually mm-hmm. find one of them at a price that fits their budget.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and are and, there different types of indie publishers? For different genres of books,
0: um, most people we we handle everything. We we do every everything.
1: genre.
0: Yeah, yeah, we do everything from children's books to his history uh, books. We just finished an 850 page book on Winston Churchill. Ooh. It's called no yeah It's called No Peace with Hitler, and it had two thousand footnotes and it was <sighs> very very nice my goodness so it sounds
1: like your yeah. company doesn't really have a preference you're just very widespread
0: yeah right? we've 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 done everything you can imagine
2: oh great yeah. yeah you you might have covered this a little bit but what does it cost just a, a figure for to produce a book in the traditional publisher standards
0: what and what are what? those
2: standards
0: Okay. Well, the standard is quality from start to finish, right? And it's, it just comes down to thoughtful, careful work that isn't rushed. It's not just thrown together without any consideration. It's really careful work. So, um, we don't force people into packages. Sometimes authors will go online and they'll see package deals from, from usually from these self-publishing companies. We don't do that. What does that that mean? Well, they'll have different price points, a basic package, a medium package, and a, and a high-end package, and they include different services and different levels of services. I don't do that. We have a conversation with the author, and we find out what their goals are, what do they want, what services do they need, and then we customize a proposal based on what they need. Hmm. So generally speaking, if I had to just give you a number, a, a typical fiction novel, 200 pages, full service from editing all the way through the end to distribution setup would be about $9,000. The way I look at it, every book needs to be edited. No matter how good of a writer you are, you need a professional editor to go over it, polish it up for you. Then it needs a good Mm -hmm. cover and a good interior. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people, you'll hear the word formatting online Mm -hmm. today typesetting, book typesetting done the traditional publisher way is not formatting. It's much more detailed process where we pay attention to every line, every word, every paragraph, how the pages break, the spacing and everything. So it's very careful. It's very time consuming and tedious, to be honest.
1: <laughs> um, and tell me about what you think the importance of the title and the cover. You've, you've covered this kind of that it really matters as a first impression,
2: right?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, think about how you go, how you shop on Amazon yourself, right? Yeah. The, title, the title and the cover image is the very first thing you see. And in mm-hmm. about three seconds, you'll either decide to learn more about that book or you'll browse away. So right. the interesting so about th- if
1: an author didn't have an idea for those things? Are you guys mostly developing those for the authors or do some of them come with their own idea?
0: No, it's, it's, it's both. Sometimes authors have ideas about what they want to do, but we always start the process with research, right? Because even if people go to look for your book and they type your title into Amazon, Amazon is not just going to show your own book. They're going to show all the best. They're going to show all the best sellers, right? So if you're, you don't want your book to look self-published and look and look different than the best sellers and stand out for all Uh the wrong reasons, so it's also good to do that research because major publishers have lots of resources at their disposal. They know what's selling. They know what mm-hmm. works. They might design mm-hmm. a cover two or three or four times and keep changing it until they find out what resonates with the buying public. So oh, if we really? look at those, if we look at those books and we emulate not copy, but if we emulate the, the concepts that you see from the bestsellers that's one way to make sure that your book looks as credible as the bestsellers. And, that, and that helps yeah. people, you know, because if people look at a book that, that they may not have heard of the author, but if the cover looks good, they'll, they'll click, they'll learn more. But if the mm-hmm. cover looks self-published, they're going to say, oh no, that looks risky. I'm not going to even go there. Well, what does
2: mm-hmm. a self-published cover look like versus traditional
0: oh well in a traditional publisher workflow the the typography is all important and the imagery is all important and how the the elements are balanced the coloration uh, the composition uh, you we've all seen self published books that that don't look very good right yeah it's, yeah. it's hard to describe. It's like the difference between a good suit and a bad suit. You don't have to be a tailor to know yeah. the difference.
2: <laughs> that's, that's, I agree. A, a very, I agree. Very, very,
0: yeah. very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've seen, we've seen, we've seen poorly, poorly designed books.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, talk about editing a little bit. What do the edit, the authors need to know about editing?
0: Well, the first thing they can do is relax because an editor, a good editor, will never change your voice and it will never change your style and will never change your meaning, right? What they're going to do, some, some authors worry about that. It's like, oh, I don't want anybody to touch my words. I've slaved over them for a year or more and it's exactly the way I want it. But the problem is that we don't see our own mistakes when we write. So, and a, and a professional editor will. Right. You may have yeah. repeated yourself a couple of times without realizing it because you sit down and in different sessions and, and write, mm-hmm. you don't do it all in one day. So you know, our proofreader one time found a situation where uh, one of the main characters in a novel had died in one of the earlier chapters. And then he magically came <laughs> back to life at the oh. end. Oh, toward- Toward the end of the book. So, you know
2: <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't a paranormal book.
0: No, no. So, <laughs> so, so we're we, we yeah, hysterical. You, know, you killed him <laughs> off in chapter three.
2: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but, Can you believe but, an but, author could do that? It's well, so sure. We're, we're, I I totally get it because you're so immersed in what you're writing and and immersed. sometimes yeah. you do repeat yourself.
0: You and, do. And I'm not criticizing anybody. We all make mistakes, right? That's why <laughs> that fresh pair of eyes from an editor and a proofreader oh. is necessary.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well that's that's um I, I I understand it. But it's yeah. Michelle. But having having a character what? die and then bring them back to life. That's
0: <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Oh, we've, we've seen, we've seen characters change names, you know, in the middle. Oh of the dear. that yeah. It, it uh-huh. happens. It happens. It's natural. Yeah.
1: Michelle, yeah. what would you like to have our, our listeners have as a takeaway today?
0: Well, the takeaway is that quality is the most important thing you can do if you're entering the publishing business to just focus on quality. Try, I can't, I can't tell you how many times authors will tell me, you know, I can't afford to spend money on the the design and the production because I, I want to save, I have I have only so much of a budget and I want to use it for marketing. That's putting the cart before the horse, right? You have to create a prod- product that will impress people when they see it. Otherwise, you're even wasting your marketing dollars. Yeah. So that's really number one. And there's, there's lots of, um, there's a whole spectrum of quality available in the industry right now. And I guess I would just say that you do get what you pay for, because you know people might be using a i or um, a software program to edit your book, we use real people who have <laughs> traditional publishing experience, and they're gonna sit and really think hard and 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 edit your book and put it down and put it bring it back the next day and give it another look and The same with the designers, cover design takes a lot more time than people think
2: oh a i yeah. has a long <laughs> way to go
0: yes. Yes.
2: really does. Uh, well, thank you, Michelle. Uh, there's, I have so many questions as a writer myself. I have so many more questions that I would love to ask you. Is there anything on the spectrum that you feel authors should know that we haven't asked you about?
0: Well, they can all download my book for free, Publish Like the Pros, if they go to 1106design.com. And they can, they can email me with questions at any time. I'll give you my email address. It's md at 1106design.com. I love answering questions. I, I love educating people and making sure that they make an informed decision that's best for them. That's great. great. Thank
2: Thanks. you, Michelle. Thank, Thank you. you. Our guest today on Late Boomers has been Michelle DiFilippo. De- and um, she's the author of Publish Like the Prose. And she's also head of 1106 Design, an independent publishing company. And you can reach her at her website, 1106 Design, and at her, you can email her as well if you have questions, at md at Mm -hmm. 1106design.com. And also, as she mentioned, why not download her book for free and get firsthand advice on how to publish a book that you can feel proud of and that sells? Thank you.
1: And we're grateful to our listeners. And we want to ask you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Late Boomers Podcast, where you can watch the video version of our podcast. Also, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and give us a five-star review. We're on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and at Late Boomers. Let us know if we have inspired you to take any action today. Thanks again, Michelle.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com.
2: This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and
0: impact.